0: And uh, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible to uh, the book of Acts, chapter four. Uh, Acts chapter four. I'll read verses one through 12, and you can as you turn there, you can stand with me. Um, that's on page uh, 911, if you have one of the black hardcover Bibles. Um, today's message will actually be a little bit different. We're not, as I said, not going to work through uh, our chunk of Romans. We'll pick up next week in Romans 8:28. Um, but today, we're going to kind of uh, see this, this passage really as kind of a launching point into our discussion uh, that we're going to have uh, this morning. So Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. As we read, remember, we're reading God's Word. And as Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. "...greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family." Whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. That's God's word. You may be seated. Uh, We'll get into the text here in just a minute, but as as Josh mentioned, I was with uh, the students at Winter Camp this past weekend, and we had a blast. It was really a great time. And again, thank you for those of you, uh, your giving, just your regular giving actually supports camp in a really significant way, Um, as well as those of you, as Josh mentioned, some of you went out of your way to offer scholarships, there were some kids that were able to go to camp that that didn't think they were going to get to go because of your generosity there. Um, And it was just really fun to see the the leadership of this ministry. Um, We have incredible mentors. There's a number, uh, probably a dozen or so men and women who volunteer week in and week out. One of the most costly uh, ministries in terms of just energy and spiritual strength um, to be able to pour into junior high and high school students every week. And they went to that and they were part of that. It's a great team. A lot of them have have, uh, just been investing in those kids in in a big way. It was awesome to see Josh lead. Um, I know he he joked about being the announcement guy, and he does a a good job with announcements, I think. Um, But there's a lot more to him than that. I mean, he's got some really good instincts with how he leads the kids and just the order and the the direction, and yet all the fun that he lets them have uh, as well. We had a couple crew dads go. These were guys that just helped set up and clean up and all sorts of stuff, and they had their work cut out for him because one of the my favorite game, there's a lot of games they do at camp, my favorite game uh, was the egg roulette any of you know what egg roulette is? So there were, so there were six teams. So each team had a person. Uh, the, they had to kind of volunteer the messiest person from their team. And there were three dozen eggs. All, of, all but 11 of them were hard-boiled. And so each person had to take an egg and smash it on their head. And if it was hard-boiled, nothing happened, right? And if it was a raw, then... Whoosh, right? And the first person uh, to have, you know, once you got two raw eggs explode on your head, you were, you were out. So, so the crew dads had quite a lot to clean up uh, after that. They had laid down tarps. Um, by the way, um, this weekend, this coming weekend, there's a potluck for empty nesters. Uh, so if you're kind of in that empty nester season, uh, you're invited to come to that. Uh, we're thinking about maybe doing egg roulette at that. <laughs> but we're not decided. So <laughs> probably not, but, but maybe. Um, but we'd love to have you join us for that. Um, but it was just a really great, a great time. Great to invest in our future. Great to um, be able to um, just see seventy-five plus kids. Um, really, some of them really pursuing the Lord and hungry for Him. Others of them pretty indifferent. Um, but a lot of them just really fun, great kids. And so it was a it was a sweet time. So you should be encouraged by that. And and I know I know that I was. Uh, listen, as I said, uh, today's message is going to be a little bit different. Uh, in a month from now, you received an invitation, that green card that you got. Um, a month from now, March 23rd, we're going to begin a new series. That series will lead us up into, uh, into Easter, uh, and the series is called Roots. And uh, we'll talk more about what that means. Here's kind of the graphic you'll see uh, once we get to that series. But today is kind of like the movie trailer. I don't know if you like movie trailers. You know, if you go to the, if you go to the movies... I like them. I mean, I, I think, you know, usually all the best parts are in the movie trailer, um, and they're just, it's interesting, and, and my hope is that God will use today as you sort of get a preview of what we're going to talk about in those coming weeks to make you go, yeah, I want to be part of this, I want to come back, that's a, that's a feature that I want to see, um, so hopefully that's what God will do through this today, um, and, and really a little bit of what today is. Today's, today's different. If you're a guest with us, I know anytime you go to a church and you go, they, they say it's different, you kind of roll your eyes and go, great. Um, typically we, we would have a, a book of the Bible or at least a passage that we would kind of study and really pick apart and pull, pull out. Next week that'll be Romans eight twenty eight, which is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. We'll, we'll go pretty, we'll go crazy on that next week. Um, but today is really going to be kind of more of a family talk, kind of more of a um, as, as a leader kind of representing our elder team um, kind, of, kind of just talking together as a, as a church family. And so this is especially directed for those of us who would consider this our church home. But if you wouldn't, if you're a guest, we understand that you're here. And, and we also think this might give you a good kind of picture into sort of what we're about as well as where we're headed. Okay, so that's what we're going to do um, today. Now listen. The, 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 the impetus for today, kind of what, what's getting us going, and what we're going to be talking about related to roots, uh, has to do with an announcement that we made a few weeks ago. So a few weeks ago, we made a, a big announcement that after a number of years of searching and praying and, and looking and negotiating and doing all kinds of things, we secured land for our church. We we made that announcement that uh, these ten and a half acres just right next door here are directly connected to our property. Uh, th- not our, this isn't our property, the building we're leasing, uh, directly connected to this, those 10 and a half acres we secured. We're in our 60-day kind of free look period where uh, I guess theoretically we could back out, but we don't see any issues at this point that make it look like that's going to happen. So we've signed that contract. We have not yet closed. Um, but what we want to do with this series is begin to, um, and I, what I want to give you a preview of today is to begin to get you excited for why that matters. I know that this is the kind of thing where we're in a building like this and, and we're able to meet here for a lot of different stuff throughout the week and a room like this is fairly full, but it's yet still comfortable and everything's really nice. And there, there might be, if you're like most people, a sense of which you're going, yeah, that's cool that we got land, but whatever. I don't know what I need to do with that or why that matters. I guess you know, I'll, I'll cheer when you make the announcement, but okay. <laughs> and what I want to do... What I want to try to do today is I want to try to get you and your heart engaged in why this matters. And then in a month, we'll, we'll take a whole series and we'll look at a number of different things from God's word that really try to capture why a, a vision like that matters. But I, I want to really try to, if I can, and this is dangerous to tell you what I'm trying to do, because you may go, nope, didn't do it. <laughs> but what I, my hope would be that you would leave today and go, not just, wow, that, that's cool that we're doing that, but going, this is great. This is worth being part of. I, I love that we're doing this. So that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I've been praying for um, this week. So here's really our vision uh, for having this particular land and for the reason why we have purchased this particular property, and this is what we'll be talking about uh, today and over the course of that series beginning March 23rd. Our desire for roots is that we would sink roots into this community and for this community for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. Arizona is a very transitional place. Um, if you ask someone where are you from, you don't typically mean are you from Scottsdale or Glendale. You mean are you from Iowa or Michigan. <laughs> right, and, and, and many people here don't have roots here. And even as a church, we have, you know, been nomadic. We, you know, we had originally met at Arizona State, the Polytechnic uh, campus, and we met there for a few months, and we met in a high school, and then we got this. And this feels like we've kind of set down some roots a little bit, but this is just a, a leased property that we're going to have to move out of in five or more years. And so, so there's a sense in which what we're doing as we buy land is we are sinking roots. But we're not just sinking roots in terms of having the land. I, I want us to think about from a mentality of going, we are people who love this community and who are sinking roots here. Even if you go, I plan to leave in a few years. While you're here, our vision for this is that you would love this community, that you would love the people around you, that you would love your neighbor as yourself so much that you would go, I've got to make an investment here, even if it's just for a short Season. So that's our vision. That's what we want to do. Is we want to sink some roots in and for the community. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you um, six reasons why I want us to embrace that vision. And uh, I know six is kind of a weird number. It could be more. It could be less. But but six reasons. Uh, As I've been thinking about it, as I've been praying, and as we've been talking among leaders and different people of going, these are the reasons. If you boil it down, this is why I hope you will embrace this vision and join us in sinking roots in and for this community, okay? So uh, we're going to go through these. Some of these have some scripture. Um, Some of them are more just kind of um, things kind of from our heart and as we think through our situation and our place and time in history. So um, let's pray and then we'll dive into these six things. Father in heaven, I believe that you have led us to this moment, and as elders, we believe that, and uh, we're excited for the future. And Father, I pray that you would use today to to rally us together and to give us a heart uh, together to sink roots for the sake of this community and for the sake of your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the first reason... Uh, that I think we should be excited about this, comes out of this passage that we just read ago, and it's this. The the first reason why we should embrace this Roots vision is because Jesus is the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. Jesus is the only way under heaven by which men can be saved. In the passage that we read, uh, Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, had healed a man who had been lame from birth, and uh, the, the man was healed in the name of Jesus. He had asked them for money and, and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but, but we do have we'll give to you in the name of Jesus, rise. The man leaps. And everyone that had seen him begging stands in amazement and they go, what is this? What has happened? How did this work? And they tell the people about Jesus. And they get in trouble for that with the religious leaders because just a few weeks ago the religious leaders had killed Jesus. God had raised him from the dead the leaders are going, hey, we got to squash this thing. So they call Peter and John in. Say, hey, we've got to talk about this. And Peter boldly says, and we read it in verse 12 of uh, Acts chapter 4, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must be saved if we're to have any kind of relationship with God. See, the scripture says, and this is what we've been teaching all through the book of Romans, this is what the entire Bible declares, is that God has created us in his image to be his image bearers, and that we have rejected God. We've loved created things more than the creator. God has said, here's a way to live that will lead to your blessing and flourishing, and we've said, eh, don't want it. That's what the Bible calls sin. And so there's friction between us and God. There's, there's There's a fracture in the relationship between us and God. And not just between us and God, but between us and each other and us and ourselves. The reason why even so much of our life is confusing is because we don't even totally understand who we are, because while we're still made in the image of God, we're so deeply affected by sin, and, and, and everything is broken. Uh, Tyler Johnson was here last week talking about that a bit and how God it promises to make all things new and to restore all things. But until then, uh, it's, it feels very confusing and very broken. And the way that God is restoring all things, it says here, is through his son, Jesus. And only through his son, Jesus. Do you get what it says? There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name. This is exclusive. This is narrow. This means that it's not all roads lead to heaven, be a nice person, believe in Muhammad, follow the Torah, follow Oprah, (laughs) follow Jesus. It all leads to the same place. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, apart from God, you're drowning you're dying, you need to be saved, and there's one life, lifeboat, his name's Jesus, it's the only way, it's an exclusive claim, and some of you may go, gosh, well, that, gosh, I don't like how exclusive that is, that just doesn't feel very, very accepting, or very open, and, and, and that's Jesus' followers saying that, I mean, are, you, are we sure they got that right, I mean, I've heard that Jesus' followers, you know, they changed a bunch of stuff to try to accumulate more power, and whatever else, is that really, is that really what Jesus meant, good question. Let's take a look at John chapter 14. This is Jesus teaching uh, the night before he is going to uh, be crucified. He teaches his disciples, and here's what he says. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say I'm a way, a truth, a life. The way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except but through me. No one can be reconciled to God, but through me, Jesus says. The Apostle Paul goes on to elaborate what this means theologically in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Right? There's a God, you're not him, and there's men broken by sin, and there's one mediator, there's one person that connects the two, the man Christ Jesus. Why would we want to, as a church community, sink roots into this broader community? Why? Because we believe that Jesus is the only way that people will be reconciled to God. We love after school programs, they're wonderful. We love healthcare a huge need. We love other kinds of services and and things like AA that will help people get out of addiction and and problems. We love schools and the education that they can provide. All of that is wonderful, yet none of those can do what the church can do. The church alone, the people of God, have the gospel. The hospital's not going to share that. The school's not going to share that. AA's not going to share that. The church is going to share that. And while all those things are helpful, only one thing is necessary, which is for people to know Jesus. So why would we sink roots down? Because we have the one thing that everybody needs, Jesus. Here's a second reason. This kind of just flows right out of this. Second reason we should embrace this vision is because life is short, eternity is long, and many people don't yet know him. Life is short. Here's some words that the scripture uses to describe uh, this life that you and I are living. Vapor, grass, mist, breath, passing shadow. Take, t- t- just humor me for a second. On the count of three, I invite you to take a breath. One, two, three. There's your life. That's what God's saying. In the scope of eternity, there it was. Life is short. You don't have a lot of days on this earth. But eternity is long. And everyone spends eternity somewhere. And if Jesus is the only way, and life is short, and eternity is long, and many people don't know him, then we have a, a responsibility, and we have a privilege as the people of God to make him known. Woe to us if we go, eh, I'm okay with God. My family's okay with God. Everyone else can go to hell. No. Aren't you glad that the people who taught you about Jesus didn't have that attitude? Of course you are. And so as the people of God, we want to always be people who are thinking, how can the gospel go further? How can it touch more lives? There are more people who don't know him who are in grave danger if they die that way, here's what it says in Second Thessalonians 1.9, of those who die apart from Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The thing that gives grace, the, the common grace that everyone experiences in this world is that God's presence remains by his spirit and through his people. But for eternity in hell, no God's presence, no joy. There's a ton at stake. Listen, this is not a game. This is not about going, how can we, you know, be the hottest show in town? This is saying, as a church community, we want to sink down roots because eternity is is long, and everyone spends it somewhere, and as long as we have in this short little breath of a life that God gives us, we want to pour out to make as many people as possible know Him. That's why we want to sink down roots. Here's a third reason why we should be excited to sink down roots here in our community, is because our community needs a healthy, strong, enduring, grace-driven church, and we are that church. We're one of them the community needs a healthy, strong, enduring, grace-driven church. It's, it's the best thing this community needs. Uh, we were at a lunch a few uh, weeks ago, Matthew and I, and uh, we heard a, a guy named Mes McConnell. You can Google his name if you want. He does a bunch of church planning work in Scotland, specifically in what would be like the projects, uh, the housing projects of Scotland. And and it was amazing. He was talking about all the, the work that he's doing, laboring among the poor and trying to start uh, new churches and raise up new leaders. And he, well, here's what he said. He said there's a lot of uh, suburban churches that very generously pour in resources to this poor, these poor communities. They do a lot of mercy ministry and they, they do kind of short-term missions. He said all of that is wonderful. But here's what he said. He said the best mercy ministry... And the best mission ministry is a local church. What those communities need is not someone to sort of drive in, dump out resources and drive out. They need people to drive in, sink down roots, and do mercy ministry and do missions. The local church is the best at Mercy Ministry. It is the best at missions. It is the best at reaching young people and singles and married couples and families. If you go, well, I, I want to make, make an investment in something that really is going to make a difference in people's lives. The church does that. It's the best thing. Ms. McConnell saying, all these parachurch and support organizations, they're great, they're wonderful, but they're no substitute for a church. And our church needs that. They need a healthy, strong, enduring, grace-filled church. Uh, Josh Watt, uh, sh- was we were kind of emailing and, and sharing some ideas with our leaders, here's, here's something he wrote. I thought this was good enough that I would just put it up there. So as Josh Watt says, <laughs> our student ministry leader, he says, think of your average 12-year-old and imagine they continue existing without any sort of gospel influence or roots. In 30 years, what does their life look like? No matter how outwardly successful they look, without roots in the gospel, their life is a sad tragedy. Some of you have lived that. You were the 12-year-old that had no, no one telling you about Christ. No one laying down roots into your life. And 30 years passed, and your life was a sad tragedy, and somewhere along the way, you've come to know Christ. But you would look back. You would look back and you'd go, oh, what I would give now for someone that would have done that kind of ministry then. We are a church doing that kind of ministry. Now, we're not a perfect church by a long shot, not a perfect leader, not perfect leaders, not perfect people, but we are a healthy, strong church. And I I can say before the Lord, I wish there were more churches like us. And we train leaders and we're involved in supporting and and sending out church plants because we believe that. Not that that we're the hope of the world, but we're pointing people to Jesus and He's the hope of the world. And the local church, we're a hospital for people in pain and crisis, right? You have a lot of friends who, if you invite them to church, they're like, eh, whatever. But you know where they'll turn? When the wife says, I don't think I love you anymore or when the diagnosis comes back and it doesn't look good where are they going to turn they're going to turn to you and where are you going to help support them the church we are a hospital for people in pain we are a hospital for people in crisis and we're a hospital because we give grace did you see that that key word in that in that thing that I put up there grace driven See, we have plenty of, uh, of, of churches. There are a lot of steeples you can see all over the place in this town. We got about five acres each, they look very similar. <laughs> and they can't offer grace. Even many evangelical churches, when you get inside, what you realize is it's all just about hey, be better, try harder. But we really are a, a, a church that is saying, you can experience the freedom of grace. This is why Joe Level could stand up here and admit that he was angry with God. It's why someone who, he didn't share this, who had been a pastor, Joe had been a pastor before he came here, and still could say, I was angry with God and I experienced freedom in the gospel because that's what grace gives. That's the balm that we're offering. Our community needs that. It also needs something that's gonna endure. We were talking as a a staff about just different reasons people are excited about this this vision and what we're doing. And and one of our interns, Jimmy Lau, shared a really interesting story. He said when he and Linda decided to, well, I guess he decided to propose to Linda, and she decided to say yes. Uh, But this was years ago. They lived in New York City. He said, when I proposed, one of the things that was important to me is I wanted to go somewhere that I knew would last, so that for years we could always sort of point back to and if we ever visited, we could go back to the place we got engaged. I didn't want to do it at a restaurant because that might go out of business. I didn't want to do it at a park because that might get built over with development. So where did he do it? His church. Because a church endures. church lasts. A church is a faithful presence in a community where for Years and decades and generations, people can go and find the healing balm of the gospel. Our community needs that. We don't have many of those. And we can be one. Here's a fourth reason why I hope we're excited about this. Those have been more sort of positive reasons. Here's potentially a more negative one, is that it provides stability as culture grows increasingly hostile. Did you know that culture is growing increasingly hostile to Jesus? Anyone notice that lately? And it really isn't anything lately, right? I mean, did you read Acts 4? Don't talk in that name anymore. You can do all that stuff, but don't mention Jesus. This This isn't new, right? It's not like we were the home team and now we're the visiting team. We've always been the visiting team. But the culture is growing increasingly hostile to the gospel, People have problems with that, right? There's this whole Senate bill, right, in Arizona, SB 1062. It's gone on about religious liberty and discrimination, and I, don't, I haven't read the bill enough to know what I think about all of it. But here's what I know. The reason a bill like that exists is because at least some Christians go, we're losing religious liberty. Our faith is under attack. Now, you can debate whether that's the best way to handle it or that's the best answer. I don't know. But the intention of the people writing it was going, Our face under attack. This is not a friendly place to be a Christian. That's true. That's just true. It's as true as the day is long. In New York City, uh, just within the last couple years, the city issued a ban on churches meeting in schools. Hundreds. I mean, think about how expensive property is in New York City. Right? Churches aren't able to buy much property there, right? So hundreds of churches meeting in hundreds of schools, and the city came and said, no, that's too close to issues with separation of church and state. You can't meet there anymore. And then a judge issued an injunction and kind of a stay, and so they've been able to kind of piecemeal a solution to that for now. But that's, that's, that's what's coming. That's what's already here. And what putting down roots in a community does, what having land that you own, that you're not just renting does, is it gives you at least some security in the face of all of that wave of opposition, right? We could reach the end of, of this lease and decide we want to we re-up, and a landlord could say, you know what, you don't do gay weddings, I'm not, we're not willing to lease this to you anymore. And we could go, what do we do? We had 1,000 people here two weeks ago. Where do a 1,000 people just go next week when we can't meet here anymore? When we can't rent a school? When we can't rent a theater? When we can't rent, right? I know it's a little doom and gloom and gosh. I don't know that it'll be that bad, but it might. And in generations to come, it very well might. And a move like this gives us at least some sense of stability. Some sense of, okay, we got roots here. We belong here. We own this. We're here to stay. Here's a fifth reason. I'll go positive again, all right? Make you feel a little better for a second. Fifth reason why I think we should be excited is because someday soon our kids take over. This is coming. This is soon. Someday soon our kids take over. I had this big aha moment a few months ago um, Chris Porter is the guy who discipled me when I was in college. And some of you met him. He was here on our anniversary Sunday. And um, we spent a, a day or an evening together, went out to dinner with, with our family and him. And, and I was reflecting about when I was in college and how when I was a freshman in college at 18, Chris was 31. And I thought he was ancient. <laughs> I mean, I thought, gosh, how old that guy is, right? And what, here was the aha I had I was going, I'm 34. And I'm about to go speak at winter camp to kids who are mostly like 12 to 17. They really think I'm old. Like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that far away. I, I was in high school not that long ago, it feels like to me. It's a long way away, right, to them. So I had this moment. And so I've been thinking, and then being at winter camp, and I've been thinking a lot about this next generation, and uh, one of my mentors, Tom Schrader, the founding pastor from Redemption Gilbert, he would always say this. He would say, listen, the next generation gets the keys. And we will either hand it to them or they will pry it out of our cold, dead hands. <laughs> but they get the keys. And, and, and someday soon, that's going to happen. And, and we want to leave a legacy for them. Now, now I know the word legacy is become misunderstood because of sports, right? The last time you heard the word legacy talked about a lot, it probably was related to the Super Bowl. At least I heard it a lot. (sighs) I'm still grieving. Um, (laughs) Right, there was all this discussion about how will this game impact Peyton Manning's legacy? And they were using the word legacy like a reputation, right? Like how will this impact his long-term reputation? That's not what a legacy is. A legacy is something that you pass down to the next generation. What's Peyton Manning's legacy going to be? I don't know. The no huddle offense? He'll pass that down. But, but, but a legacy is what you pass down. And we have the opportunity to pass something down to the next generation that is of value, that is of strength. And we make investments in our kids' future all the time. right? We, there's a lot of kids here. A lot of babies being born, a lot of you thinking through things, and you make investments all the time that you should make in your kids, right? Some of you are making significant investments in school right now, you know, sending them to a, a preschool or sending them to a Christian high school or, or sending them uh, to a tutor or, or maybe a particular sports or athletic or, or arts kind of situation. We spend a lot of money on different camps and programs and things, and those are good investments. We should do that. Many people invest money in 529 type programs that are going to help their kids and grandkids go to college. That's a wonderful thing to invest in. I don't know other things you're investing in. Maybe braces. We went. We took our girls to the dentist the first time, and they said, "You need to start a little savings account for braces. This is coming." Um, What about weddings? I found out this week that my wife is pregnant with our third daughter. Yeah. And what does the, the, you know, what does the technician say to us like five minutes after we find out? Better start saving for weddings. <laughs> yeah. And weddings are great investments. They're huge memories that bring family and people together. It's totally worth it. All those things are great investments. We should be investing in those things. Should we also invest in our kids and our grandkids having a healthy, strong church for them? yes is that just as worth it absolutely so why should we be excited about this because someday soon our kids get the joint and they're going to either you know take it from us in a nice way or we're going to have to fight them on it i'd rather give it to them here's the last reason this is to me the the this is the most significant one this is the one that to me grips my heart the most um, if you were to boil all of it down and go, what, you, what really, if nothing else, what, what is it for you? Here's what it is. Because this will make a difference 100 years from now. I'm going to do a lot of things this week, just like you. Right, we're going we're to fill up the gas tank and we're going to make a meal, we're going to do laundry, we're going to vacuum. We're going to pick up the house, going to come to work, going to send out emails, going to post some stuff on Facebook, going to waste time looking at YouTube videos of Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of stuff, right? And a lot of it matters, right? A lot of it, not the Jimmy Fallon part, but the other stuff, like, like you got to do that. If You don't keep living if you don't keep working and if you don't keep cleaning and if you don't keep eating, right? You got to do that stuff. But, but very little of our lives can we point at and go, I know that will make a difference 100 years from now. I know that this is an investment that will matter then. It's one of the things I love about pouring into our kids, and our kids won't be here 100 years from now either, but they will outlive us. Right? And, and, and one of my dreams and one of my prayers and one of my hopes is at the end of my life, the, the greatest thing that people will say about me is look at his kids. They are strong and they are courageous and they are bold and they are tender-hearted and they love people. That's why, that's why you parent and that's why you say no and that's why you discipline and that's why you train. Why? Because that stuff will matter. That stuff will outlive you. This will outlive us. A hundred years from now, there will be, God willing, a faithful, healthy church right next door proclaiming that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life who reconciles people to him. And what I would love, what I would give to even live to 94, but if I could in 60 years kind of just mosey my way into that church building, seeing people sing songs that I just think are way too loud and I don't get anymore, I would love to just anonymously go in there and know I was part of this. I gave some time, and I gave some energy, and I sacrificed some money so that this could happen. Wow. And what else can you invest in that's gonna matter in 100 years? Not many things. Not to mention eternity. But even if you go, I don't know about all the eternity stuff, you could at least say in 100 years, if there's a strong, vibrant church loving people and doing good to the community, that's a good thing. What else can you invest in that can do that? See, see this, is, this is where it begins to stretch our faith as a church, right? Because especially as we think about this land, here's what we're going to talk about in this Roots series, is, is, and from a financial standpoint, is we're raising money just for the land. So, so, so I want to give you just a, a sense of this so you can really feel it, all right? So here, um, here's the land Uh, Before the Roots campaign, all right? Let's just kind of show you this video. You can see this kind of out to that black pole about is where the, you know, that's essentially the land. So that's the way it looks today, right? And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to prayerfully and joyfully and sacrificially give over and above what you would normally do. And at the end of this campaign, here's what it's going to look like. Of depressing, isn't that? <laughs> like, show me a master plan, show me a 3D graphic. That's not what this particular part of this process is going to do, it's going to be dirt, which is why the only thing that will make us go, That's awesome. I'm excited to be part of this. I'm excited to come when we have times to pray over that. I'm excited to give money sacrificially to this. I'm excited to cut this out of my life so I can give more. Why would we do that? It isn't going to be for a short-term payoff. It's going to be for a 100-year vision. It's going to be because we go, this will outlive us, and this is worth it. That's why we're moving forward on this. And in a month, we're going to get together more and we're going to talk more about it. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to, um, just a couple things that I want to ask you to be praying for. And in your communities and your RCs this week, it would be great for you to be praying about this. Um, begin praying for this. The first thing, would be our love for the community. Pray for that. Pray for our love of neighbor, our love of the people that are here now and the people that will be here in generations to come. Secondly, pray for this. Pray for the ability, the faith, to embrace a long-term 100-year vision. This is an an impact that's going to be made, but you might not feel it right away. Pray for faith. Say, God, give me faith to believe that's worth it. And then pray about this. Pray about how God would have you give. And specifically, how much God would have you give. I want to just... Uh, we'll talk more about money, and we'll give you tools and help and resources on how to think this stuff through. That, that, that'll all be part of, part of this series we do. Uh, but just to give you a sense of kind of numbers-wise what we're looking at, um, when we look at our costs related to uh, purchasing the land and the fees and just all the different kind of stuff, uh, it ends up at about $1.25 Now, here's the good news. Based on overages of general giving, you've already given 200000 to that. So that number goes down. So, so, what's remaining, what our goal is going to be, is just over a million dollars, $1,050,000. And I, we'll talk, as I said, more about the money, but I just want to at least put that up there so that as you're praying, you can be going to go, okay, this is what's at stake. This is what's going to happen. Th- there is going to be a time, just to be very transparent with you, in about four, five, six weeks, when I'm going to ask you to give money. Be ready, <laughs> it's coming. And, and I'd love for you to start to pray about that and to start to talk about that with your family and your spouse if you have one and, and to be able to go, what's my investment gonna be? I don't want you to be shocked or surprised when that day comes. And then here's the last thing I just would ask you to do and, and, and this is why we gave you that card just as a reminder, maybe put it in a place in your car to remind you to pray for it or in a mirror or on a, on a kitchen table or wherever. Uh, but be praying for this and, and, and prioritize being here when we kick off that series March 23rd. Be here. Be part of this. This is worth it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your unending love. Jesus, we love that you're building your church. We're amazed we get to be part of it. We ask for faith to believe that it matters as much as you say it does. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Luke. That dude's the leader right there. That was great. That's that's good stuff. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around 100 years from now. What in the world? Like how do you tangibly think about 100 years from now? I've never thought six months beyond myself. So here's kind of the exercise I was doing in my head. My youngest, the youngest person I know is my third son, Jude. He's six, seven weeks old. So... Far out I can think his kids. What does this mean for his kids? And here's what it means. Jude one day, God willing, is going to have some kids or adopt some kids or have some influence in some kids' life. And those kids are going to need Jesus. And practically, what does that mean in this moment? It means his kids could be God